0: We pick up to read
1: today. We are in this section where they have finally reached the river, not yet crossed, but have reached the river. They are in that land of Beulah, that's what it was called. We beheld, and they came into the land of Beulah. And he describes, in some measure, what that land is like. It is a wonderful discussion we just had about heaven, eternity, what it will be like. This land of Beulah is that land, it is that transition land where the soul is moving from this world to the next. And uh, uh, there's a legion of shining ones, (laughs) which is what our brother just told us that these cherubim are literally the word meaning burning one, shining ones. There are now this legion of shining ones just come to town. And uh, In this land they heard nothing, saw nothing, felt nothing, smelt nothing, tasted nothing that was offensive to the stomach or the mind, only they tasted of the water of the river over which they are to go. What a blessed taste that is. And so we pick up the reading today, and we will be for some time in this particular location, that is as to Bunyan's uh, story, Bunyan's uh, writing, he, he is lingering for quite some time, as we shall do in this particular place. He said, in this place there was a record kept of the names of them that had been pilgrims of old, and the history of all the famous acts that they had done. It was here also uh, much discoursed how the river to some had had its flowings and what ebbings it has had while others have gone. It has been in a manner dry for some while it has overflowed its banks for others. Now we're going to read some comments of others about this. But he's talking about the difference in the death experience of different believers. Uh, And let me just mention, because I don't have it in any of my notes, but I do want to just mention to you, there is no there is nothing wrong and uh, there is nothing wrong for the saint to pray all their lifetime long that the lord would give them a peaceable passing there's no wrong in that whatever may be our lot whether whatever may be the disease or tragedy that takes us out if it be prolonged there is nothing wrong in suing our lord for mercy that it will that it will be that it will be a peaceful crossing dry dry ground there's no harm in that there's no harm in asking the lord for that mercy any more than asking him for any other mercy uh, this is a mercy that we we are not we have we have no biblical warrant for it we have no biblical right to claim it as such but we have every right to sue him for mercy and specifically as to this matter of our crossing that he would make it peaceable and and uh, calm Scott in our book, most of us have Scott's version of Pilgrim's Progress. Scott in our book says, the lively exercise of faith and hope, the anticipation of heavenly felicity, and the consolations of the Holy Spirit soon make the believer forget his conflicts and sorrows, or only remember them to enhance his grateful joy. This description represents the happy state of those that live in places favored with many lively Christians, united in heart and judgment, and where instances of people dying triumphantly are often reported or witnessed. It has frequently been observed that aged believers in such circumstances... Have been remarkably delivered from fears and temptations and animated by the hopes and earnest of heaven. So that while death seemed bitter to nature, it became pleasant to the soul to think of the joy and the glory that would immediately follow it. So different experiences by different Believers, uh, this is something that is well documented in history as well as in the scriptures. Uh, in my book that I did uh, on death, on the border, where they touch. In that book, I, I select, there the are volumes and volumes of accounts given, written. Uh, but I just selected out a few and put it, put in that book just for the modern reader to hear the testimony of some who, to whom the Lord has granted this, this gracious and wonderful experience of finding dry ground and crossing over, uh, in peace. I wanted to read. Uh, from uh, Overton, Overton's lectures, Overton in one place, uh, and I later I will have more. Not today, but later I do want to refer to some other things Overton said about this scene. But just here, I want you to hear what Overton says. He said, "Here, that is here at this. When they arrive at this river." this land, he said, here let us pause for a few moments to commune each with our own heart. We may be real Christians, and yet, we may be real Christians, and yet, know little of the triumphant exercise of those who are happy inhabitants of the land of Beulah. Sometimes real saints, eminent saints, when they approach their journey's end and linger for a long for a while on the verge of that eternal world, do not find it a land where the sun shineth day and night. Not everyone finds it to be so in this land. On the other hand, they sometimes find it enveloped in gloom and mist and darkness, and neither sun nor moon nor stars for many days appear. And I've read a number of accounts of folk dying like that. They trust indeed in the tender mercy of their God forever. They keep firm hold of the precious promises of the gospel. And with a deeper sense than ever of their vileness and depravity, they renew again and again their earnest application by faith for a personal interest in the redemption that's in Christ. But they have no rapture, no triumph, no joy. They cannot come to the revelations and visions. They have not a word to say of scenes of glory opening upon their sight or the seraphic sounds ringing in their ears. Their minds for the most part are absorbed with a deep and solemn sense of nearness and reality and the amazing importance of eternal things. Nature shrinks at the prospect of death. And the sense which they have of their own sinfulness and the holiness of God has a more visible and evident effect upon them than their faith in Christ. It has a more visible effect on them than their faith in Christ and their hope of everlasting life to be enjoyed through him. But in the absence of rapture and triumph, They have evidently got what is a more undoubted mark of the Holy Spirit's work. What is that, you say? A broken and contrite heart. An entire committal of their souls to Christ to save them, and a deep concern for the interest of his kingdom. (laughs) He says, for those who die in this state, They're actually manifesting a much clearer testimony of the certainty of their salvation than one who may be in raptures. Because these are marks of the work of the Holy Spirit, a broken and contrite heart, a total committal of their souls to Christ the Savior, and a deep concern for the interest Of his kingdom. So those are. Encouraging marks. (laughs) Notwithstanding that they are perishing. Without these joys. When they hear of poor sinners. Flocking to Christ for salvation. Or of the gracious manner in which he has. stilled the fears and cheered the hearts. And receive the souls of some that have departed in true faith, all their quickest interest are roused. the water stands in their eyes, and something like a sensation of gladness is experienced in their hearts, notwithstanding they are dying, and they are not experiencing these these celestial joys. But when they hear of God's work in the lives of others it it fills them with joy of the hearing of those testimony and, and their eyes are filled with water. And shall we say that such as these are not true pilgrims because they do not tell of raptures? Shall we say that they have no true faith because their godly fear has evidently got before their lively hope? <laughs> If I say I will speak thus, lo, I should offend against the generation of thy children. Nowhere in the Bible is an ecstasy of joy insisted upon as an evidence of dying in the Lord. Now there's, there's the, there's the statement. There's the principle. Nowhere in the Bible is an ecstasy of joy insisted upon as an evidence of dying in the Lord. We doubt not that this is often granted to upright souls where it is clearly and evidently the special work and operation of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. But we fear also it is often professed by such as have no root in themselves, when it arises either from natural excitement or the delusion of the great deceiver. You see what he's saying? We may witness a person who seems to be going out joyfully, and they're under a delusion.
0: But those that go out
1: weepingly and repentant he says, they bear they bear much greater marks of true believer. To use the words of a sober but deeply experienced Christian, quote, many excellent persons are incapacitated from speaking much in their last hours, and we ought by no means to judge of men's character on these grounds. The scriptures are generally silent about the manner in which the saints of the Most High finish their course, and only few exceptions are found to this rule. We are indeed fully instructed in the nature of their faith and effects which it has had upon their life and conduct, and thus assuredly we infer that they died in the Lord and entered into rest. Only let our faith be of the true saving kind and let us habitually prove that it is so by the effect which it has upon our life and conduct and then doubtless all will be well when we actually stand on Jordan's brink, and it shall be said to us thou art this day to cross over. He says if we're going to judge a person's eventual location, destination, rather than looking at the scenes of their last hours and making a judgment from that, look at their lives. Look at their lives. Does it give testimony that they have been walking in the way? That that, says Overton, is a much better gauge from which to view their passing. Bunyan says, In this place the children of the town would go into the king's gardens, gather those gays for the pilgrims, and bring them to them with much affection. Here also grew camphor with spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon with all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes with all chief spices. With these the pilgrims' chambers were perfumed while they stayed here. And with these were their bodies anointed to prepare them to go over the river when the time appointed was come.
0: It's a beautiful
1: scene, is it not? Albeit painted in, I understand, uninspired words. This is not God's inspired word. These are the words of a man. But he has nevertheless painted a beautiful picture here. A beautiful picture of a land called Beulah. All these fragrances, all these wonderful spices...
0: It's the king's gardens. (laughs) The king's gardens. And they've entered in to that place.
1: We won't go any further today for sake of time. And as I said, we will be for some time in this particular scene. There's be crossings, there's going to be crossings, many crossings over. But I want you to, as it were, ruminate this week. Just take this beautiful scene and just cast yourself in it. See it, look at it, watch. And uh another that's another thing in my book I did mention, I, I talked about it some length. That we ought to take the time to frame our, in our mind, visualize your own, your own passing. Just frame in your mind some thought of your own passing. Give thought to it. Meditate on it. And consider, what will it be? It's important. It's very important. This is that land. This is that border. The border where they touch. That is this world, this life, and the next. There's a border land right there. And these have entered into it. We'll stop there for today. Is there any questions, comments, or testimony before we take up the next?
0: Just as an example, to note that Thomas Scott noticed the circumstances you where know, the children's are uh, placed among <clears throat> other lives of Christians. You know, you know, was reported, it was very reported by Dr. Baldwin's contemporary writer that in the last year or so, his life, he did not Hear the account of a faithful Christian's passing without, and I quote it, without manifesting much of the information. Yeaah. Amen. And, and Amen. His, his own passing is quite quiet. That he was moved by hearing those accounts of those people just before, mm-hmm. ahead of him. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also an interesting, you know, of um, not a so well-known Puritan, but one who was quite famous, known by the name of Joe Croghan, who had been a Puritan pastor for many decades, but was coming. And knew that he was near the end of life and much trouble, even when he told himself, <coughs> and found that, uh, uh, that, that the trouble was so hard upon him, and he could find rest. As for, he applied to one of his fellow ministers and finally wrote his heart to him and said, What what would you say of a Christian and a gospel minister who can get no comfort at the end of his life? And his fellow pastor responded, "What would you say of a Christ who did not die an hour to get no comfort? (laughs) Amen."
1: Amen. Amen. I've read that before. Yes, amen. Amen. Yeah, what would you say of a Christ who said the same thing? Mm. Amen.
0: So we are telling from the end it. wasn't exam that the hour of the time we we spent quite a time in the study and we and we were and we did get the news of three in and we let yep. Hmm. let pray together.